In this episode, I have the pleasure of chatting with Austin Federa, who is the head of strategy at the Solana Foundation. Founded in 2017, Solana is an open source layer one blockchain that can host decentralized and scalable applications. During our chat, we discuss things like the advantages of Solana in comparison to other networks, the importance of blockchain experimentation for brands, what the future of blockchain may look like, and more. I hope you enjoy. Hello, Austin. How are you doing? Good. How are you? Great, great. Excited to have you on. And it looks like you're, you're coming in from a really cool, uh, cool setup there. Yes, I am out in Montana for a week or two. There you go. Perfect. Well, l- let's get right into it. So we're excited to be chatting with you and obviously all things kind of related to Solana. Um, but maybe just before we start there, do you want to just share with us your journey? Like, how did you get you know, connected with Solana? How did you get into Web3? Yeah. And uh, yeah, just your story would be amazing. Yeah, so I got into crypto in late 2017, sort of accidentally. I was working for a fintech company that was sort of in the process of failing. uh, And one of the last things they tried to do was do sort of a pivot to crypto. They tried to build a borrow-lend token on Ethereum, but really before anyone was talking about DeFi, again, this was like late 2017. Uh, The company didn't really make it through, but like I finally like had to sit down and learn like, what are smart contracts? How does Ethereum actually work? You know, all these sorts of things. And uh, I, I was one of those people who was like, not sure this tech was going to be much of anything in like the 2015 and 16 time range, especially like, I just like, crypto is so bad at naming things like smart contracts, just call them programs. They're just programs. <laughs> Everyone knows exactly what you mean when you say program. Smart contract makes it feel like it's something for like writing a legal document that'll somehow be self-enforcing. So I was actually one of those people who was like the terminology was like, this sounds weird. Why are we renaming things that already exist? But uh, you know, then I went to work for Republic, uh, running marketing for them and launch, helping launch the Republic crypto brand. Um, did a bit of like stealth stuff for a year of some advising and some early stage infrastructure companies, and then actually joined Bison Trails to uh, run product marketing for them. And the Bison Trails was a blockchain infrastructure company that acquired by Coinbase in the end of 2020, and uh, became Coinbase Cloud, and you know still continues to this day. Uh, but at that point, I was like ready to actually go work for a proper layer one protocol. And I was talking to a bunch of different networks. Solana was not one I was talking to and not interviewing with at all. Um, and then a guy I used to work with at Republic, uh, Ben Sprango, uh, was like, "Hey, you should you should come take a take an interview with Solana Labs. Like, we're trying to hire someone for product and marketing. We're not, you know, it's early stage. We're trying to figure this all out." And I was like, "I don't know. Like at Coinbase, I worked with probably twenty different protocols, and I'd never mm-hmm. talked to anyone at Solana. But it's like, just get on a call, like." Trust me. So I got on a call with Raj and Tolly, and I think like 30 hours later, we had an offer letter signed. Like, wow. I was really inspired by the vision for building a network in one global state that was going to be super fast, that could handle upwards of 50,000 transactions per second, and sort of uh, bring like Web 2 performance to Web 3. So two and a half years later, yeah, I'm working for the Solana Foundation now, but here I am. I love the story because I find it's a progression. A lot of people I know start off skeptics for sure. And then yeah. they start doing some research and it completely changes them. So back, if you, if you go back in time to when you were a bit more, when you were skeptical and just learning about the technology, was there one thing or two things that was really the, 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 the transformational piece that made you go, wow, this can be impactful? It wasn't one thing. 
it was it was actually like a a whole series of things right i think like the original crypto is weird right because like i am based in new york city like sitting in a western country in the united states where we have a globally incredibly stable political system an incredibly stable banking system incredibly stable financial system the why of crypto is not obvious right the the why of ai is like you know it's either going to be the terminator or we're never going to have to work again right and you can sort of like say statements like that and everyone's like i've seen enough sci-fi to roughly get what you're talking about right or i've seen yeah and and i don't think ai is all it's hyped up to be on honestly um but with crypto it's harder because you're like a lot of these systems that exist today are expensive for no reason getting a mortgage mm -hmm. is expensive for no reason issuing a loan is expensive for no reason managing a stock exchange is expensive for no reason and i don't mean no reason like you know, no reason, but it's like yeah. the airlines all run on computer systems from the late 80s. That's part of why airline tickets are still expensive and airlines still kind of suck, right? There's just all this legacy built into a bunch of these like very entrenched institutions across many different sectors. Why are cell phone companies still pretty bad? Why are why does everyone hate their ISP in the United States, right? <laughs> like these are these are problems that on one level you can say sure these are government regulation problems, but on another level these are just like market dynamic problems. Mm -hmm. And so the scope of things that crypto can solve and address, I don't think it was ever one thing for me. It was that like this is as different of a way of doing business as the joint stock uh, the joint stock corporation was. Like people don't realize the joint stock corporation was like invented. It, it's <laughs> not that long ago, like 130 years ago, we invented the idea that you could actually own shares in a company. Um, well, and that the Nasdaq's like a public, like a, like a company, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Nasdaq yeah. used to be a nonprofit. The CME used to be a nonprofit, and then they basically spacked these things and turned them into profit generating <laughs> companies, and like. The motives and incentives behind running an exchange are much different than they used to be, right? Like, I think we forget that, like, there's regulations that say, like, NYSE has to provide a public data feed of all of the, the trades and transactions and price quotes. Nowhere in that regulation does they say they can't sell you a super fast feed for $10 million a year so you can front run all the retail traders. But, like, that occurs, right? That is, like, what all these companies pay for. And so there's a certain level of, like, Crypto is more egalitarian because the technology is decentralized. And yeah. a lot of people have trouble understanding that because a lot of people are sort of thinking this technology is too good to be true, right? Like nothing in life ever works this way, but it's cool. I, I love it. And, you know, I think about the book, you know, Good to Great. And I think a lot of the things that come to my mind is a lot of the things are good, but they're not great. And I think the ability, if you decentralize things and you make things more, you give ownership truly to people and you can get rid of a lot of those middle layers and provide more efficiency, that's how we get to great, right? So I, yeah. I agree with you. I think the prospect of blockchain and, and and what it can provide is it can really upgrade a lot of different aspects of our lives. And to your point, some of those aspects, they're not horrible today, but they're not great. So th that's, I think, um, is that a fair yeah. kind of summary of, of kind of where you were going? Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of like the classic example of this is like when the New York Times launched its website, it was much worse than the paper. <laughs> but you could like squint and you could see like, I see how this is going to be a lot better than a newspaper someday. And I think we're still, we're, we're further along than that in crypto, but like 
so many people are like, we're at the iPhone days of crypto. And I'm like, absolutely not. We're at like, someone just released Netscape Navigator. And there's a little bit of attention being paid to it, but like it hasn't broken out yet. Yeah, and there's and no so, real, yeah, there hasn't been the big swarm of apps and, you know, like live videos and all this kind of stuff that eventually came to the internet, right? I mean, um, forget live videos. Like, <laughs> I think we forget that, like, you know, the killer feature of the internet was email for many, 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 many years, right? Bandwidth was just too limited. And, you know, for crypto, we're kind of in a similar place now where, like, uh, everything's a 56K modem. And you just can't build YouTube on a 56K modem. You can't build Tinder on a 56K mm. modem. You can't build Google on a 56K modem, right? You, you, all of these things that like we think of as internet primitives, internet native, whatever, the underlying infrastructure that made all of that possible was bandwidth. Like getting faster interconnects between people's computers is literally the only thing that made the internet we know of as today possible. And with blockchain, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum are still running like a maximum of like 20 transactions per second. And even when you add all the layer twos on top of yeah. Ethereum, it's still maxing out at about like several hundred transactions per second. And those are just not the scale that you need to actually create consumer adoption. And that's what I love about something like Solana is that it's like 50,000 transactions per second. And that's not, that's not high speed internet. It's not like cable and fiber. That's like DSL right? Mm -hmm. Like we're not talking about the jumps in performance where it's like, oh, I can now download a 4k movie like in, mm -hmm. or in my house or like I can stream whatever I want from Netflix. Like we're talking about like DSL, which was like astronomically faster, but was still like a pretty shitty technology at the end of the day. And like, that's kind of the place we're at with blockchains. Like Solana's gonna, you know, is getting ready to do another 100x increase in performance with like Firedancer and this new validator client coming. But like, we're still really early days of all of this stuff. I love it. I love that. That actually makes a lot of sense to me, especially because when I was a kid, I remember 56K modems. I remember, yeah. I haven't heard DSL in like, oh man, I had to have been a kid to last time I heard about DSL, but you're right. Um, and you know, you don't get mass adoption. I mean, we're big on wanting mass adoption and we're trying to help pave that way. And you're right. You're not going to get there. You don't get to, you know, Uber and Tinder and Netflix and these like apps before, you know, you get to email, right? And uh, email right. was barely possible on 56K. Um, and now we take it for granted, right? So I, I love it. I think this is, a, this is a great kind of segue too, because, you know, we're very curious about Solana and just would love to learn more about it. And so maybe if you could share anything about the story of Solana and then also like where Solana fits in the ecosystem, that'd be, that'd be great. Yeah. So where to start? Um, Solana was originally conceived of as a network that was meant to be as performant as the New York Stock Exchange, but was also probably going to be as limited as the New York Stock Exchange. Like, mm. no one uploads a video to the New York Stock Exchange, right? It does one thing and it does one thing quite well, which is like settle trades and orders and, well, execute trades and orders and cancel and all this stuff. So, you know, blockchain at NASDAQ speed was the original idea of, of mm. Solana, but it turns out when you build incredibly fast base layer infrastructure, people use it for all sorts of things. And so Solana at this point, it's not just DeFi, not just decentralized finance. It has tons of NFTs going on on it. And uh, it has decentralized physical infrastructure networks, which are like my favorite new category of networks. So this is something like a decentralized Google Street View, 
where instead of spending millions of dollars on Google Street View cars that might drive past your house once every four years, you put a dash cam in your car. And the dash cam takes lower quality pictures, but it earns you tokens. And they composite all those photos together using AI, and they produce an incredibly comprehensive street view of you know, what you're experiencing. And, yeah. and that is like a really strong case for where crypto can actually provide better quality of service than a centralized company. No one has to plan, oh, what are the most important roads in the United States to get street view done on? Just people as they drive will take photos, right? These things automatically do. It's very interesting and cool to look at. Um, but, you know, th this is kind of like the whole basis of like, it's sort of like asking what's the internet good for, right? The internet's good for whatever people decide they want to build on it. And every time we change the underlying technology running the internet, you can build better and better things on it, right? Like we were talking about like bandwidth before going from DSL to high speed internet meant you could build YouTube going from, uh, you know, 2G internet when the first iPhone launched to 4G internet three years later, that made a whole new class of applications possible on our mobile phone. And like no one, you know, no one looked at the iPhone at launch and said, ah, Tinder, this will change dating forever, right? But like the iPhone changed dating forever because it had a camera and it had multi-touch and it had fast mm -hmm. internet connection. And like, it's sort of like hard when people are like, oh, well, what's, what's blockchain good for? What's Solana going to be used for? And it's like, I have no idea what Solana is going to be used for. I know what people use it for today. I have some idea of what they might use it for tomorrow. But this is a global network of tens of thousands of developers building applications for the network, and it's totally permissionless, and anyone can do whatever they want to do on the network. And so we'll see what people build. That's like the most exciting part about my job is that we are in charge of nothing, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's super cool, especially from the perspective of a, of a layer one. Um, but I, I get it. Like, I, I get the benefits of blockchain and, and where that can take us. And I think it can take us to somewhere really exciting. And it's like, I, I really do think it's like the next iteration of the internet, but specifically on Solana, like when you look at it compared to like Ethereum um, or other blockchains, if you're t talking to someone like, you know, who, who maybe isn't an expert in this space, yeah, yeah. where does Solana fit and how does it stand apart from an Ethereum or, or, or a Polygon or you know another blockchain? Yeah, so there's really no network that's as fast as Solana today. So Got Solana it. can process, so not to get like super technical, but pretty much every blockchain out there can only do one thing at once. Hmm. Um, Ethereum is an entirely in-order system. So one transaction is to completely execute before the next transaction can take effect on, on that layer one. Um, you know, you look at something like Polygon, there's 76 computers around the world that run polygon uh that's it you can't spin up mm. your own polygon validator you can't just go ahead and join the network yourself it's a it's a permissioned system so it's closer to sort of like you know uh an, another type of software that's as opposed to like a permissionless blockchain solana is kind of a strange combination of a network that is fast and performant but also globally decentralized there's about two thousand mm. validators around the world that are running the software Anyone can spin up a validator. It's totally permissionless. And so anyone can build on it. But the network is able to operate at, you know, thousands of transactions per second, which is something that really no other blockchain can do. And part of this works on because it can do two things at once. For transactions that are not overlapping, 
you can run multiple transactions at the same time, which is how most computer systems work, right? It's not like Visa yeah. can only process one credit card transaction at a time. Uh, it does multiple transactions simultaneously. And so that's sort of the, the best base layer way to think about the differences between a network like Solana and, and other types of blockchains. The downside of that is that, you know, it takes more bandwidth to run a network like Solana. It takes a little bit beefier computers, right? It costs about $3,500 to buy all the hardware needed to run a validator on Solana. And that is m more, but that's also not much for a real business. Mm -hmm. Super interesting. You know, I was at a big payments conference and the folks at someone from Visa, like a senior person at Visa was talking and he was saying like, we're never, you know, he didn't see crypto at the time as a threat because yeah. he was referencing the number of transactions. He said, you know, like in the next hour, there'll be or the next minute, there'll be a million Visa transactions and, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum can't handle that. So yep. it, it, that's helpful to me. So, so Solana is built for call it high, high degrees of transactions to happen. Um, yeah. yeah, it's interesting. So like, as we get more adoption and more volume, that does bode well for, for a, a layer one, like, like Solana. Do you think that like Ethereum's merge and the improvements are making, like, do you think they'll eventually get there as well? Or, or is it, is it just structurally different? So I think in aggregate, Ethereum ecosystem can get up to a high number of transactions per second, but Ethereum works on something called fractured state. So transacting between each layer two or each layer three or however many layers we end up getting, they can't directly interact with each other. They have to go through a bridge. They have to go through some other type of system in order to have that interaction. So they're not operating in that one global state. And Solana is really committed to pushing that one global state as far as it can be pushed. Cool. You know, we, yeah. we, we put a grid up in front of the brands we work with and we say, here's like the different blockchains you can use. But for Solana, it sounds like high transaction availability and transaction scale. So for projects that are going to do a, a high number in a short period of time, it sounds like Solana um, is, is really, really well positioned there. Uh, another thing on that grid is sustainability. And so we, we What's Solana's view on, like, is there a trade-off for sustainability or is there still a sustainable component that kind of, kind of still makes it relatable to like a, a Google search or a, a YouTube clip and that type of thing? Yeah, I mean, transactions on blockchain are, are kind of like a very weird abstract system for this type of thing, you know? Um, and, and the reason for that is that um, a transaction on blockchain is sort of like, a socket connection or a packet router on, you know, a, a web yeah. two system or a web one system, no one really should think about them in that component. But they, they really should be thinking about what can I do on a blockchain and how, what's a proxy for what I can do on a blockchain, right? And so transactions are a fine metric to look at, but it's sort of like comparing horsepower. Like the horsepower of a car doesn't really tell you anything about the experience of driving that car. That's right. Right? And so that's kind of one way to think about how these systems all interact with each other. And, you know, there's different applications for different types of things. Is that kind of what you were asking? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I also think like Bitcoin has kind of muddied the conversation because Bitcoin yeah. is really like horrible on the environment. And therefore, when you talk about any other layer one, people start thinking, well, is it bad for the environment? And it's just like, you know, it, it, it's, you know, it, it's really, you know, when you can start comparing it to, call it web two and how much internet usage it, it's, it's really fractional compared to, um, 
you know, these, these web two platforms that no one questions, like nobody's wondering right. how much, you know, emissions, you know, your YouTube videos are going to ultimately run and that type of thing. But I think it's because of Bitcoin. Um, is that kind of like, would you agree with that? Do you think that's why? Cause in our world, yeah. brands are always saying, Hey, we're interested, but you got to assure me that this is fine on the sustainability side. And I think that comes from, from Bitcoin, totally. but, but maybe I'm wrong. No, no. So, so Bitcoin is the only network with a substantial carbon footprint nowadays. Solana is very energy efficient. Um, one transaction uses about as much energy as like three Google searches. And a Google search is not an amount of energy we really think of as being meaningful. So the carbon footprint of something like Solana is very low, but that's really true of all proof of stake blockchains nowadays. They're all comparable to Web2 services in terms of energy usage. Now there's two methods of looking at that. One is wow, Web2 services use a lot more energy than I thought. And the second is, is like, well, we could switch everything over to blockchain. It would basically be the same carbon footprint. Um, Bitcoin is the only network that continues to not be the case. And Bitcoin, there are many ways that one could make Bitcoin greener and more energy efficient. Um, but that's really up to the folks who are diehard Bitcoiners to figure out. I, I do you think, do you think they ever get there? Do you think Bitcoin ever improves their impact because because i mean yeah. it is it is meaningful the impact that they're having it is absolutely meaningful i think the the biggest thing that would determine whether bitcoin takes steps to reduce its energy usage and i say bitcoin as a proxy for the bitcoin community because obviously there's yeah. no, like bitcoin incorporated yeah. um but if the community starts to feel pressure that it's a reason people may not want bitcoin right like there are tons of bitcoin etfs launching there are lots of like, you know, Fidelity bringing uh, Bitcoin into its 401k. Yeah. The sustainability profile of that is not great, right? If a company like Coinbase suddenly now has to account for the carbon associated with um, transacting on the Bitcoin network and its scope three emissions, these, may th these things may have meaningful impacts where Bitcoin never goes away, but it becomes a little bit like, let me just put it this way. There's a class of person who will accept payment in a bag of diamonds. <laughs> and that person is generally not the kind of person you want to be transacting with. Right. And so there is, there is some possibility in the future that Bitcoin gets to a place where it is just like a socially uh, maligned medium of exchange. And I hope that doesn't happen. Right. I, I actually think there's a huge value to Bitcoin and proof of work actually has a lot of interesting applications and some of which are super valid. The problem with proof of work is it takes a lot of energy. And so mm -hmm. I think there are probably ways to modify proof of work just slightly where it's not exactly like it would use less energy because the energy it uses is where its security comes from, right? You can't just change the code in Bitcoin and say like, well, now proof of work uses less energy because it would make Bitcoin less secure. This energy is security on the Bitcoin network. Um, but there's ways that we may be able to mandate that that comes from green energy sources as opposed to like burning fossil fuels in Kazakhstan, yeah. you know? And as the price of like solar and these other renewable yeah. energy types come down, it may become a non-issue. But I, I think what will for sure happen is if it doesn't get better, whether it's because energy prices come down and green energy is cheaper um, or for another reason, it's going to – the pressure is coming. Like you have right. these large – 
you know, Fidelity and BlackRock and all these like, you know, real, really big companies starting to like push it to their, you know, have it in, in available to their customers. And, you know, everyone's going to be asking the question, like, what does this mean for the environment? So I'm optimistic. I think that either the energy prices are going to come down on green energy and it'll be kind of a non-issue for Bitcoin or the Bitcoin community will be kind of, you know, um, ushered into a direction where yeah. they'll be able to um, kind of fix that problem. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it does leave us though with having to answer a question, which I think is a bit unfair because we're not minting NFTs on Bitcoin, right? So right. when we're putting them on other <laughs> layer ones and they have such a different degree of environmental impact and it doesn't even compare, like it's not even comparable to like a Google search. Um, totally. it, it puts us in a funny, funny position, but it, it is great to hear that um, Solana isn't making big trade-offs there on the environmental side, but you're getting the, the, the high transaction speed, which I think are going to be even more and more important as this I technology so gets more adopted. Absolutely. Yes. So is that the big standout? Like, is it, and that's, that's, that's plenty, like, you know, high degrees of transactions that are really important, especially going forward. Are there other kind of more nuanced benefits of, of Solana? I mean, it all comes down to like Solana is a network that I would describe as like ruthlessly practical. Right. Mm. And so, you know, I think the way I like to think about the network, and this is, you know, just my opinion on the thing is like, it is designed to make blockchain as radically affordable as possible with as much high throughput as possible. And so uh, that's the name of the game, right? And so, so attracting developers to build on the network by making it incredibly fast and performant, that is how the cloud companies beat out traditional data centers for the most part. Yeah. That is how SaaS ate Oracle's lunch, right? And so from that perspective, like, I think it's a longer journey for the Solana network than maybe it's been for the Ethereum network. But what we're seeing here, to me, is really powerful because it's not uh, blockchain relying on like 19th century economics to, to justify its existence. It is trying to play something different and trying to look towards a future where a billion people are transacting on blockchain and say like this network is built so one day it can hopefully support that this is really helpful um you know transaction speed transaction throughput and transaction costs are huge factors later on right yeah. like so it, it sounds very encouraging the direction that Solana is taking. And it's got, you know, me thinking of, you know, different projects that we're working with on, you know, should we put them on Solana and, and like how many are they going to do and that, that type of thing. So um, really, really great. Maybe if I just extrapolate a little bit up, um, yeah. we love, and like we spend all of our time talking to consumer brands, right? So our use of the blockchain and the way we're thinking about these things are always around driving customer engagement for, on behalf of a consumer brand. What's your view on kind of like how blockchain relates to consumer brands and, and where, what the opportunity lies for them? And, and I know it, it's still early and, you know, the, the new use cases will come to life and all that kind of stuff. But, but at this point in time, how, how do you see the connection between blockchains, the benefits blockchains can provide with and, and, and tied to consumer brands? I think a lot of the consumer brands that have started building on blockchain today are doing it in a very experimental, non-serious way. And that's okay, right? Everyone needs pilot programs. Visa and MasterCard had like a four-year internal pilot program before they started really thinking about, um, uh, you know, building on blockchain. And the stuff we're seeing right now is very much like blockchain adjacent. There's only a few companies that have really started building seriously disruptive services on blockchain. 
And, uh, you know, it, that's awesome, right? Like, we're, this is kind of where, like, you know, I would even say, like, Hive Mapper is like an example of a consumer focused mapping application that is built on blockchain, but doesn't feel that way. Now, there's companies like Fossil that have like done NFT collections and stuff like that that I think are getting more interesting. The gaming industry started off just kind of grifting into blockchain, saying like, oh, we can mint NFTs to represent characters. And like they had no idea how it actually worked. But now we're seeing real blockchain based games that are coming out. Yeah. The same way that like, Games on your phone were like a joke for the first three or four years, and then they became the dominant force in the industry of gaming and to the point where like console sales are lagging now because of that. I think that's all very, really interesting. And so from a consumer side, there's a ton of cool stuff on blockchain. One of the most basic ones is payments. Like merchants spend about 2.8% on credit card fees. And if they can bring that down to 0.1% via blockchain, that's a huge, huge unlock mm. for consumers. And, you know... Would you pay with crypto? I mean, USDC, still US dollars. Would you like have a USDC wallet on crypto for a 2.5% discount on everything you buy? I think the answer is yes for most people. So it's interesting well, to see where this if they're consumer, Especially if their consumer is wanting to transact in that too, right? If they want to transact in that and you're saving yourself a huge interchange cost, then it's um, that's, a, that's a good one. Yeah. Any other uh, kind of like connections you would make? I mean, that one makes a lot of sense, obviously, right? Um, but any other kind of connections you'd make between consumer brands and blockchain? Or do you think it's still really, really early? I think it's early. I mean, uh, you know, for consumer brands, like if, if you work at a fairly large consumer brand, start a blockchain pilot project. You should probably build it on Solana, but you should even just internally, you should start thinking about this stuff because if you don't start thinking about it now, you're going to be late. Right. And what we saw is a lot of companies were late in 2021 and they tried to rush in with a bunch of half baked ideas and they got washed out. And like a lot of those like meta, right? Meta was not thinking critically about blockchain. It seemed early enough. And they tried to do an integration with, um, with Instagram and then they ended up winding it down because they just hadn't thought through the mechanics of how it works. Google, on the other hand, not a consumer focused company, but Google, on the other hand, they're like, yeah, we need to bring blockchain infrastructure into Google Cloud. And they're doing it from a real business model first perspective. They have a reason to do it. Like, mm -hmm. try and figure out what problems blockchain can solve either cheaply or in a more user-friendly way than your current solutions can solve them. And that's the right thing to be experimenting with. But it might take you a year or two to figure out what that is. And so these consumer-focused organizations and brands, they should be building pilots today you don't have to release those pilots in the public but like get familiar internally especially as the world goes more digital like there's yeah. no way you know apple's got their headset out now and like people are like more to their phones and they're like and it's only hitting in one direction um if you're a consumer brand we're always saying this right i mean like get you know start a bit earlier start trying things start understanding the stuff because when you'll want to be in there you don't want to be playing catch up um yeah. which, which we've seen yeah. before Right. Exactly. I think that's 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 really good advice. Um, maybe just just two more questions because you know you've been sure. so gracious sure. with your time here. Um, so, just at a high level, and just extrapolate even even higher, I guess. Where do you see this Web three stuff going? Like, do you see it kind of like being the predominant, like blockchain being a predominantly, you know, um, like it being the infrastructure of the future? Do you see it being in concert with other things? Do you think like where does this whole AI thing go to in your mind? So I think blockchain at this point is largely been separate from traditional consumer applications, traditional financial industry. 
I think what we will probably see is something closer to a bit of convergence where um, ideally the best parts of blockchain still continue to exist, but we see like more web two type services built on top of mm. them. Um, I think there's also a huge world for like some people would say like if Bank of America mints a stable coin, that's like terrible for crypto because it's like oh all these libertarian ideas of crypto and now we have bank of america and i'm like no 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 this is like this is how it works like we need a lot of these traditional financial applications to start seeing the advantages of crypto we need uh you know musicians are really pushing the bounds of this right now like there are musicians out there like there's this guy black dave who like skipped the web 2 music stack he started making music on ethereum and like releasing songs as NFTs and like the music is still on streaming, but like his fans own it with him and like mm -hmm. he owns the direct relationship. And like, I think crypto can fix a lot of the problems of social media where everyone feels like I'm intermediated by this web two giant that like kind of yeah. sucks and doesn't really care about me and is just trying to sell me ads. And like, I think we can rebuild a lot of these relationships that are kind of broken using the blockchain and Web3. And that's going to be, I think, a very compelling pitch for consumers. Like, go back five years. Would you have thought that anyone would download Signal and nice. use it? Like, Signal is like a privacy-conscious, security-conscious messaging service that is harder to use with less features. And like, I know tons of people who are switching from WhatsApp yeah. to Signal. And it's, like, it's why WhatsApp's probably gone fully encrypted too, right? Because they're yeah, reacting to... They yeah. had to. It's wild. That's a good point. So this is the thing where like, I think even if what we get is we get crypto, we don't get rid of the Web2 financial companies. What we do is we make them embrace crypto the same way that the internet didn't get rid of journalism. It just like very radically changed how it had to operate. It didn't get rid of cable tv it just changed the way tv had to operate mm -hmm. and created lots of new opportunities it's very cool stuff super cool i do think it's an improvement i mean we always say like you know it's a better value exchange for the end customer yeah. which at the end of the day ends up winning like you know if you look at today largely consumer brands are finding new customers and communicating with them by paying facebook so they're paying facebook or google and then they're getting access to a customer that they wanted to reach what if rather than paying some third party, um, they were able to provide value to the end user and earn that right to communicate to them, but trans give the value to them. And that is what gets us really excited. And I think it's that value exchange that's going to get cleaned up for the benefit of the end user. And I think that's what gets you know me really excited about this technology. Um, it's crazy to think that like today, a brand to connect with their end customer, to connect to an end customer is going to go pay, you know, Zuckerberg some money, right? right. It's like, yeah. Better to give the value, better to provide those, you know, put that into value into the end customer and, and reward them because that's that's who you're trying to, 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 you know, to delight, right? So really, really love yeah. that. Hey, um, one last question, and we always end on this one. Um, so we're on a mission to accelerate the adoption of, of this technology. Yeah. And um, I'm just curious to like, where, wh what, what's it going to take? Where, what needs to happen for mass adoption to, 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 to you know, to, to, to present itself? So we need something like chat GPT, right? GPT-3 was like a revolutionary product for nerds, right? Like all the Twitter-verse nerds and <laughs> people like me were very excited about it. But suddenly chat GPT came out and every single Web2 company was like, oh shit, I need to integrate AI. Mm. 
That hasn't happened in crypto yet. We haven't had something that has put the fear of God into these legacy companies yet. And so I'm waiting for someone to build some application that really is, it's probably not financial, right? It's probably something else that starts to really make these companies worry, oh no, if we don't start taking this technology seriously, if we don't start bringing it into products and services we're building, if we don't start making this available to consumers who use our application, our lunch might get eaten by someone else. Love that. I actually completely agree with you. And it's such a good analogy because GPT-3 was out in the wild and no one really was talking about it. And yeah. then it took a, it took OpenAI creating a chatbot using, you know, GPT-3 to like really blow it up and for people to, to react to it. Um, yeah, I, I really like that. I feel like maybe Topshot got close to like getting into that kind of realm. Um, but but you're right. Yeah. Like something needs to show up that goes, wow, this technology is powerful. I and always it's say in my face, you can see it. The biggest thing crypto has going against itself is speculation. Like, yeah, there's some weird small set subset of people that join Blue Sky because they want to get they want to speculate on the good handle. Most people don't, right? Most people join things because there's a real compelling use case to it. And so with Top Shots, like it was awesome. It was great tech really great people did that at the end of the day though when the prices went down people left yeah. and that's the problem we need to find stuff in crypto where speculation and price appreciation is not a major motivating factor well it's, it has to be like irrelevant it's yeah. like i'm here because of x y and z and 100%. the whole like 100%. So love it. Awesome. We, we can, we, we can end yeah. there. Thank you so much. I've Thanks learned again. so much about Solana and uh, I know this, uh, this has been really helpful to everyone, everyone listening too. So thank you so much, man. Yeah.